Hey, it's Bill Simmons from The Ringer. Wanted to tell you about our newest podcast that is exclusive to Spotify. It is called The Hottest Take. These are short podcasts. These are going to be like seven to nine minutes, multiple times per week. It's one take. Sweet potatoes are bullshit. You're going to get takes like that. You're going to take about sports. If Cliff Kingsbury looked like Brad Childress, he would never work again. Pop culture, you're going to hear from me. Home Alone is not a Christmas movie. Ludicrous. This is an interesting <laughs> take because the name of the show is the hottest thing, not the worst take. You're going to hear from Ryan Rossillo, Mallory Rubin, Jason Concepcion, Chris Ryan, Sean Fennessy, Shay Serrano, my buddy House, and many more Ringer staffers and friends of the Ringer family, some celebrities. It's going to be exclusive on Spotify multiple times per week. Coming September 16th from the Ringer Podcast Network. What's going on, Jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Gross Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lunt. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your real WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. You're listening to this. You're listening to. You are listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to the Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I'm your host, David Shoemaker, and joining me on the Mask Line is the one and only the Brian Campbell of CBS Sports and multiple podcasts. How are you doing, man? Oh, fired up, dude. We're gonna talk wrestling, cheap heat reunion. This is this is how I get down in life. Where's where's Peter <laughs> Rosenberg right now? I bet he's jealous somewhere he's, cashing he, big checks. Yeah, he's uh he's relaunching Juan Epstein right now. So he's got he's got other stuff going on. Listen, um, I was just asking before we get on the air if there was some big outside the ring news uh, that I was forgetting about. If somebody got arrested or if, you know, CM Punk came back or something like that. And we couldn't think of anything. What constitutes as big? I'm not going to talk about uh, uh, Impact Wrestling's new two hour show on Access TV. You know, I'm not here for that. All right. Yeah, I'm having trouble wrapping my mind around. I think how big of a deal this is. I think for people who have access on their local cable uh, package. Uh, they might have a much more intimate relationship with, you know, and if, you know, once you realize New Japan's on there, then it becomes really cool. I don't know. This does not seem like that big of a deal to me. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Uh, I'm not going to cast judgments uh, just yet. I'll save that for next week. Um, this week, I mean, I guess like most of the news, I mean, I guess that that, that is a kind of a big deal because it does seem like a bunch of, uh, I mean, in the context of just like everybody's moving their chess pieces around, right? Yeah. Um, we got a big pay-per-view this Sunday, uh, Clash of Champ- WWE Clash of Champions. And then on Monday night, we have Raw. And then on two- I mean, and then on Wednesday night, we have the debut of NXT on the USA Network. Is that correct? That is correct. That's why right now is like this apprehensive time, Dave, right? Because like we all know something's coming, meaning, you know, this thing I like to call the third boom period in wrestling. Like if it's going to get here, if the savior is returning, it's going to happen in like the next 30 days when NXT moves to two hour live on regular TV, AEW's weekly show launches, 
and then WWE SmackDown goes to Fox live Friday nights. If if this thing's gonna 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 blow up again, it's gonna happen in the next month. So as exciting as that is, it's also friggin' nerve wracking, right? Because I don't want there to be overexposure. <laughs> I don't want like I want this to succeed. I want those laps fans to wake up and and watch a great product and go, damn, this genre is good again. You know what I mean? Is it? Should you want that as a as a hardcore smart David? Should you I, want people to be listening to your favorite indie band so they can ruin them? I've actually written uh, I, I, probably more than once uh, comparing pro wrestling to indie rock and roll um, and or indie music in general. And yeah, I mean, listen, there's always going to be those uh, people who are apprehensive about letting their their indie fave go go wide. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that there's a lot of reason for apprehension in general from where you're sitting right now, just in terms of this potential boom coming up. But I don't think that I don't, I'm my, my guess is it's not going to be linear. If this is a real boom, it's not going to be like, Hey, we have two shows on Wednesday night and suddenly they have ratings. I mean, I think it's just going to be more of a permeation in the marketplace. I think Fox, I think people are still underrating or haven't quite wrapped their mind around how big of a deal the Fox show is going to be. Exactly. Um, I mean, I was talking to somebody this week when they were asking me how, how I thought it was going. And, and I think that the most interesting thing is going to be the relationship between Fox and WWE for how all this stuff goes. Because wrestlers on football games is huge. Wrestling on Friday nights on Fox is really, really huge. And I think that and the, the biggest difference, um, whether or not AEW pans out as, a, as, as competition, and it might, it very well might. Because Tony Khan is a dude, and Cody Rhodes and all those guys. I mean, they, Jericho. I mean, they they have they have they have power there. But in so much as we're always looking for someone to be Vince's foil, it would not shock me if Vince accidentally found his own foil uh, behind an executive desk at Fox Sports. I don't know. I'm not saying it's a specific person. I'm not saying I know who it's going to be. I'm just saying the only person that the only people that Vince has ever worked with. And I'm counting Dick Ebersol in this, who have the ability to go back at him as hard as he goes at them are the guys at Fox. Well, I wanted to jump right in on your podcast and ask you a question based on really what you're talking about here. Because if this third boom period is going to hit right now, or maybe some people think it's already hit. Some people think the the explosion of indie wrestling and sort of forcing WWE to improve is the third boom period. I don't really yeah. know how to define all this stuff. But what do you think is the actual biggest competition coming up is it going to be aew versus wwe is it going to be nxt versus raw and smackdown for sort of a creative war like meaning old fans that have no idea what nxt is they just wake up and they watch like oh my god this is what wrestling could look like or is it going to be wwe on fox versus the casual public versus trying to wake them up and just and just put wrestling back in a mainstream slot that we haven't seen since like Saturday night's main event on NBC in the eighties. And then with the full explosion of the attitude war in the nineties, or is it just what you're saying? The fact that an entity like Fox has put $1 billion into this, they want to kind of pro sports up this thing. Will there be a creative war between Vince and TV executives that we've never even imagined? There's a lot of sub plots going into this that uh, a lot of it is on the screen even more of it is off the screen damn it's a damn exciting time to be alive Dave 
I, I totally agree. I think that I, I don't know about the casual fan because I think that I, I just I just don't I don't have any means of answering the question about how relevant it will be that there will be two wrestling shows going head to head on a Wednesday night in in the era of streaming television. I just don't know. I don't know how many reg, how many just ca- lapsed fans or whoever are going to just like flip the channel and be like, holy shit, what is this? There will be some. I just don't know how much it is, you know, in the grand scheme of things. But I do think that the what Wednesday night, the Wednesday night wars are going to bring us is a big, big shift in the attention of the most diehard wrestling fans. I think uh, wrestling Reddit, I think message boards, I think all that kind of stuff will be obsessed with what's happening minute by minute on Wednesday nights. And not even just the competition aspect of it. I think that a two-hour show, a two-hour NXT, and a two-hour AEW are going to be way more widely gift and way more widely memed and way more widely just like move by move. Much more attention will be paid to those two shows on Twitter and on the internet. Um, and I think, and that Twitter and the internet, I'm using in very specific ways, although it makes it sound like I'm an old man talking about tubes and stuff. But I do, but I do think that that that's going to be a shift. And then what you're going to see is Raw and SmackDown. Dis- making a decision whether or not to, to go after this that same audience in that same way, right? I mean, do, do, are Raw and SmackDown, Raw in particular, is Paul Heyman going to be like, Wednesday night is getting the kind of attention that I earned for the first half of my career. Can I, can I do, should I be fighting back to get it myself? Oh, that and, gets me fired up to, to imagine that scenario playing out. We want the rising tide to raise all the ships, or we want everybody to have to be better due to competition. And that question I posed you, I'm almost more intrigued by the creative direction of Paul Levesque versus the creative direction of Vince McMahon angle to this, where if what you're saying is true and Wednesday becomes this thing and people lapse casual or hardcore start going, man, that's just what wrestling should be. How will that make either? Monday and Friday nights be better or how will that potentially force Monday and Friday nights to poach what is great about Wednesdays and even water down the entire product. So I think that, I think that, I mean, I I often find myself in the position as I, I I mean, I know you have in the past too, of sort of like tamping down fears about Vince McMahon, just because I think it's a little bit overblown at times. And also he's, you know, done a lot of good stuff along with some other stuff. Um, but I think this is a real fear. I think this is a real legitimate. This is a real legitimate concern if you're a, if you're a big time NXT fan that that if Vince gets the idea that people are paying more attention than he expected to NXT and AEW, he'll be happy that he's winning that he, that he's doing good ratings in NXT. He'll be really happy if they're beating AEW. But if it's coming at the expense also of you know Raw and SmackDown, I think that there will be they'll start planning for another shakeup or another draft to come as quickly as possible. And I don't think, and I think is the best case scenario for NXT. The I think the best case scenario for NXT won't translate to Raw any better, you know, in in six months than it does right now. Whether it succeeds or fails, they need to leave NXT alone for a year or more. You know, as far as plucking talent, as far as even you know backstage talent, I think that they need to let it grow on its own. And that I think that's a legitimate fear. And we had Triple H on our CBS Sports podcast on an episode that's running in a few days where. You know, he he put down those fears and was like, you know, almost like, hey, wake up. Vince is a lot more going on than to worry about, you know, or to have the time to focus on the yeah. creative of what's going on on Wednesday nights. And I think the best case scenario is that they keep NXT in a separate universe, meaning mm-hmm. it could be a third brand. But 
I don't think you should or could have people cross over and run in and be on Raw one night and then be on NXT the next. Just like I don't know if I even ever want NXT title matches on WWE proper pay-per-views. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I mean, I think you can always make an exception for some title matches here and there, but I think broadly, I I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, you know, it would be fun if like, for instance, hey, Clash of Champions, you know, a big like every title is defended sort of night that they bring some other, they, they have a little bit of a crossover, you know, once a year, twice a year. Um, I think that you're right. NXT needs to be left alone. Uh, Johnny Gargano today just tweeted like, forget call-ups, we're already up, we're the, we're, we're the big show now, that kind of thing. And I think that that's, exactly where they need to be um if they can get past the their debut in the beginning of the fox show without one of the big brands trying to poach the undisputed era uh <laughs> then then that i think there's a possibility for it. i mean i think we'll see a lot about how 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 they're able to stay consistent um as they move to the big time and i think that that Frankly, they're in a pretty good position because they need the show to work. They need the show to work, especially the, for the first six months, you know? Very true. Um, and you kind of started this problem. I don't know if it's a problem, but you started this observation. You were the first on board who said, I love these indie dudes, but if they stand next to Randy Orton and they look, <laughs> my, look like my little brother, it's not going to work. And like, hey, wake up, everybody. When uh, when Gargano and Champa got called up before Mania, it just didn't work. And Johnny, on my own podcast last month, kind of confirmed and and agreed with me on that. And he's like, "I'm not going anywhere." I know he just said that on this week's episode of NXT, but he's like, "I'm not going anywhere. I- I'm not going to high school, Billy." And Dave, I think that like if they can just keep NXT as the perfect home for the guys who are too great not to be stars in 2019, yep. but still. Too small to be a star in a big man territory, then that's it is what it is, bro. Yeah, I think so, and I think I think that it's um, I think that they have a. I mean, there's a lot of potential there, a lot of potential. Um, we do get to talk about some people who are actively wrestling on Raw and SmackDown already. Uh, we have a there's a big pay per view this weekend coming up, and we're going to break down Clash of Champions uh, match by match. But but as we sidle up to that, here's what I was thinking about when I was watching Raw and SmackDown this week. The main event of Raw, of their on the Raw side, and really this is more than a main event because it's taking up multiple matches on the card. But we have the champion, Universal Champion Seth Rollins versus his, you know, Mega Powers light buddy Braun Strowman. In a, uh, they're they're the tag team champs. They're going to defend the tag team champs against Ziggler and Rude. Uh, at the pay-per-view, but then also Rollins and 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 Strowman are going to go head-to-head for the Universal Championship. Um, I was thinking about them, and then I was watching SmackDown. I watched them both back-to-back, and I'm thinking, you know, Kofi, we all love Kofi Kingston, but he's sitting there as the top, as, as their top babyface. But then we also have Roman Reigns doing his thing, and then maybe more significantly, we have Kevin Owens, who's in this really weird, seemingly never-ending thing with with uh, with Shane McMahon, where it feels like they're trying to build a major baby face and not quite hitting the mark. All of this is a really long question, but we got two top baby faces on raw. We got, let's say we got three top baby faces on SmackDown on the raw side. Who do you, who am I supposed to want to win? I'm not saying the WWE is doing it right or wrong. Who do you want to win? And on SmackDown of those three guys, who do you want to cheer for the most? 
It's a complicated question, Dave, and it goes into who's going to win these matches on Sunday. And if you are woke to the wrestling business, you could talk yourself into believing that Clash of Champions on Sunday is more important than it actually is from the standpoint of with all the changes <laughs> talked about with everyone going to Fox and big TV and all that. Sunday's pay-per-view could really set the stage for what are going to be the big feuds when WWE goes not national, it's not 1984, but goes, you know, a, a, a big close up potentially to bring in a lot of new fans. Um, I think Rollins is someone they put a lot into. You don't go over Brock Lesnar clean twice in the last two major pay-per-views and not have giant plans for this guy to be really your, your one or one a baby face next to Roman Reigns. So I think he's got to come out of this with the championship. And I think all of this really across, even to the Kofi Randy matchup. If you believe in something, this all could be related, Dave. Mm -hmm. Okay. Kevin Owens is a little bit different. He's in a storyline in which he's getting fired or fined every week. And did you see the tweet he put out a day ago? 14-24-20. Did you see that? No. God. People are decoding that to mean NXT. To mean, oh, he's getting fired from SmackDown for real and then going to NXT where he can work with his broskies there in the Undisputed Era. And if you think about it, if WWE was in the market to take a star that's widely recognized on Raw and SmackDown and put him on NXT to raise the rent ahead of this TV launch, you could do a lot worse than KO. So that's one thing. Another thing is when we go into this weekend's pay-per-view and try to predict who wins, I think there's sort of this weird elephant in the room, and that's The Fiend. That's Bray Wyatt. This has been expertly yeah. handled. I still agree, Dave. Okay? Expertly handled, right? Which means it's about time now to launch this man into superstardom title level. And you hear the same things I hear when the local markets are already promoting, what, Seth versus Bray for the world championship in the future, possibly even at Hell in the Cell. So I'm going to book the damn territory for a hot second here. Tell me if you like this. We reformed the Wyatt family 2.0. Oh. So what that means is Rowan goes over Roman on Sunday with the help of Bray. What that means, Bray shows up in the main event. Seth retains if that's the main event, but he also recruits Braun Strowman. Oh, where's Daniel Bryan been for a few weeks? Oh, he's a alumni of also the, the Wyatt family. Hey, Luke Harper has not been on TV since the Clinton administration. What's he doing? Oh, he's back as well. And maybe even the only other Wyatt family member, Randy Orton. I know that's crazy. That's that's ridiculous. That's on and on. But if you're going to really push Wyatt, you mm -hmm. might want to play now. And you have a field in front of you of potentially really strong players you can match with him if you want this to be a dominant feud that will play very well at 10.45 p.m. Eastern on Friday nights on SmackDown and be this dark, amazing thing that can really keep younger fans I'm wondering how much that's going to play into Sunday. And I know that complicates your question, but I think we have to look at Sunday and look at what happened on the go home show this week as how are they setting up the chess pieces for this very important launch? Wow. Um, well, I like that you got Luke Harper involved. I was afraid it was going to be like, you know, Luke Harper is like, uh, is, is showing that the Wyatt reach extends to like, you know, uh, ring of honor house shows too. So I'm glad, I'm glad that he's still, uh, in the booking plans. Um, 
No, I think that's I think that's right. I mean, listen, I had somebody text me earlier today asking if uh, how if if and how uh, Wyatt was going to be involved in the uh, in the main event. Um, it does feel like, especially this being the second time these guys are going to go in the night, it does feel like this is a great opportunity to not have to have a conclusive ended ending to a match. <laughs> um, and I was wondering earlier today if this was going to be if if it was going to be a, a a fiend versus stroman setup coming out of it because you could see them you could see them deciding that the fiend wasn't ready for prime time or not ready for prime time but the fiend if they give fiend, the fiend the belt then what do you do next i guess that would be the question um but i like what you're saying and i like well, bronze uh, and then bray is there with the mandible claw on seth and then bron has to decide do i bury you for ruining my match or do I get brainwashed in that moment and realize Vince is never giving me the title. I'm just a party favor. I'm yeah. a guy who's going to come in and break things or I could be the badass heel. I originally was yeah. when he used to standing choke on people. That was badass. Yeah. Let's make the Wyatt family matter. Let's make Bray fulfill his potential. He's going to need some people. Yeah, here's what I, th- I think that you're right. And I think that the, the one conspicuous thing to me about this Strowman, this, this moment in time for Strowman is that there's not much going on. We've not heard any big rumors, or at least I haven't, correct me if I'm wrong, about WWE deciding it was time to push Strowman, about Strowman being in line for a big look. You know, I mean, and he's always right there because he's seven feet tall and looks great. But like, there weren't a lot of rumors prior to this coming out about with, with Strowman's name attached to him. And this storyline, even though we all love a little Mega Powers rehash, there's not a lot going on. They tried it out Stone Cold Steve Austin and we didn't get that much out of it. You know, I mean, this is this seems like a lot of it seems like a lot of people saying, look at this angle, but not a lot of angle there for them to look at. Um, and so and, and and all of that sort of adds up to me to totally to, to totally be of a piece with um, th- this being part one of a bigger storyline. Right. That they're just sort of like setting up something else happening. So any of that seems possible to me. Um, if Kevin Owens shifting gears does indeed go down to NXT, I think that'd be a perfect spot for him, especially for getting that, making that show look good. And it says a lot about Kevin Owens too, in, in the WWE framework, um, that they would put him on that, in that position. Um, well, you know, he, he's tasted the top of the pops on the main roster. He's won the big title. He's been, you know, he's headline pay-per-views. He had a celebrity crossover type run with Jericho where, where it was sort of, uh, you know, bigger than the brand for a hot second. There was the best thing going in wrestling. And we also know at the same time, he's a family guy who comes from the Indies and loves and appreciates the art form of this. I, I would have to think there's more people like him in WWE who maybe don't want to go the extreme John Moxley way of things, but just say, look, is there a middle ground? Can I get a, a year off, so to speak, and film every week in Orlando and be close to my family and work with my old buddies and do hellacious high-end style indie matches? Like That's got to be a dream for some of these guys who may be grinded down by the road and they've already lived and loved the, the, the things that come with you know, being a main roster star, this could revive him incredibly because he's really stuck in this circle of, are you fake Steve Austin? What are you right now? Oh, you're suspended every week. That's true. I got it. Okay. If I had the book and you already took your turn at this, if I, if, if I, if I had the book right now, uh, I would send Kevin Owens down to NXT, but not to take over NXT. I would say that like after Tuesday night, he found that his true calling in life was to be a WWE referee. And so he's going down to Florida to learn the craft 
And uh, I'm just kidding. None of that. Um, no, I think that's great. I think that you're absolutely right. I think that if they can, if they can find a way to, to let guys and gals come off the road and, and work in Florida, I mean, I've been saying this for years just for their health, but also just as a recharge, as a reset, um, and then as a way to keep NXT, um, you know, I think you're right that NXT needs to stay separate. I don't want, because we, we don't need to be watching NXT with an eye towards future call-ups, but we do need the world, the universe to be a little bit bigger than, than the main roster, the current main roster of NXT. So if there's a couple, if there's, you know, folks that go down, you know, that, that go from our SmackDown over there, if they open up the borders from 205 Live as Triple H is, is, is intimated, if they maybe open up the international borders and as they've done a little bit with Rhea Ripley as of late or whatever to, to get the UK crew over there. Um, they, they do need a little bit. They need, they, they, they do need to expand. I think the borders just a tad, um, to really make that place feel like anything could happen. And listen, they just announced everything. They, they announced the lineup for the day de- for the debut on USA. Got Matt Riddle versus Killian Dane in a street fight, which they, I think they announced a couple of days ago. We've got a, f- a four- fatal four-way number one contenders women's match. Uh, Mia Yim, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Candice LeRae. Uh, Undisputed Era versus the Street Profits for the tag titles, and Velveteen versus Roddy Strong for the North American title. You know, there's a big hole where, like, the main event scene is there. And I'm not saying they need a match, but if they're going to do something with uh, a Kevin Owens type or something like that to keep us excited, or, I mean, to keep people, you know, looking at it, uh, that would be an opportunity. Um, it's, I can't wait to see what the weekly NXT show looks like. I know we know it's going live. We know it's going two hours now, but it's still going to have the intimacy of the small arena has a quasi old studio show feel that we love. Um, I'm not scared like others are from the standpoint of, Oh, it's going to get Vinceified or WWE ified. I think trips has enough control and it's a proven success. Like he keeps talking about that. They're going to be allowed to do what they do, but, but the dirty little secret here in this larger theme that NXT just might be the best brand in all of pro wrestling. And I think, you know, month to month it is 2018 was a breakthrough, insanely good year that took everything they did in like 2015, which I thought was some of the best I've ever seen and took it to a whole new level. Uh I think the only area in the world that's ever better than that is the highest notes that NJPW hits, you know, whether it's G1 or or their one or two biggest majors, but the weekly show not on the level of the takeovers, obviously. You, it, it, that's 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 sort of in stone. But I think even now, even watching Wednesday night's episode that just aired last night, it still felt like forty percent NXT cool, best thing in the world, and sixty percent developmental brand. What's that going to look like when it's live two hours on TV, Dave? Because if if your motive is no longer at its core being a developmental brand. And we don't know if like Evolve is going to move up on the network and sort of take that role from them. But they seem to have enough people that we would care about on the roster to, to go for it and do two hours of legitimate storylines and, and do it you know the old-fashioned way and really get us hooked. It still, though, looks like a developmental brand at times. Is that going to be gone starting next week? Um, it's a good question. I think they have been pulling punches a little bit the past month or so. Um, or the past taping period, as they knew that this this live show was about to—I mean, it was about to start. Um, but you know, will it still look and feel the same? I don't know. I mean, they're not going to be in the same position of AEW, who are trying to do two hours from scratch without writers and producers, as we as you know, we're, we're used to having those things defined. Um, 
they're obviously have more of an infrastructure there, but will it look and feel the same? I think that they're going to be figuring out on the fly a little bit. I don't know how much runway they're going to have to do that, but I, but I do think that, um, you know, they're going to need to do more with backstage than they've done before. You know, they're going to need to figure out whether squash, you know, if squash matches are are going to be treated the same way as they have been on regular NXT. You know, I mean, they're going to need to they're going to need to figure out if they have enough titles, you know, if they're going to need to figure out if they have enough, you know, I mean, and, and, and they do, I mean, I think anybody would say yes, but this is all like, these are the conversations they're going to be having, you know? And I, and I, I think that all your questions are legit. I think it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens because, um, you know, there's a, there's an extent to which kind of celebrating NXT, a celebration of NXT plus a couple of surprises, whether or not that's a KO thing or whatever, um, that'll carry you for a month. You know, that'll carry you through the first couple weeks of the head-to-head. But that's not two hours a week for the rest of time. So they're going to have to, you know, they're, they're, they are going to have to evolve a little bit. No no pun intended. I mean, I think that, I think to answer that, that to that part of it, I think NXT as a developmental league is basically over. I think NXT is, um, you know, the very last of the developmental leagues, if it's that at all. You know, I think it's it's a much more of a comfortable fit now for people who have, like, you know, like Adam Cole, like Johnny Gargano, people who've done all there is to do except for WWE, but maybe aren't perfect fits for the main roster. You know, I think that... Um, do you know what the next month will show us? What? It will show us Paul Levesque's true chops as a booker, as a creative leader, because he can do the, the tape shows great, and obviously the takeovers change our lives. I mean, they, they, they soil our, 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 our pants. I mean, so, I mean, like, that's raw. And, yeah. and uncut, but that's real, Dave. All right. I've seen uh-huh. it on you. Um, but everyone always said, you know, can you take NXT from a taped weekly one hour and make it a live two hour? And I've always said, of course you can, because they have a foundation and a booking system that's so strong and a creative storytelling group that's so strong that it doesn't matter whether they reshuffle the deck every six months and, and superstars leave and they bring new ones in. The foundation and the core is, is what matters. Um, we're going to find out in the hearts of hearts of a lot of wrestling fans these days who sort of look at it very black and white. Like Vince still has his moments, but he's past his time. Why can't trips be the man now? Why can't all the great things that happen on NXT happen on Raw and SmackDown? And I'm in that group for better or for worse. I think we're going to get a chance to really see what this man has under the hood. I think you're right. And I think he's, you know, a lot more prepared for it than we realize. I mean, he's, he's sort of, He's got a lot of responsibilities, obviously, but but he's sort of been, you know, he he he's taken a very cautious approach to this. But yeah, but he, you know, he grew up. He's a little bit older than us, but grew up. You know, if you go back and read the time with the the long form interview Bill and I did with him back at Grantland, um, he grew up watching, you know, in New England, watching five different indie wrestling or you know territorial wrestling promotions. You know, I mean, he grew up watching everything along with the big leagues. You know. Um, and you talk about live. I mean, he was an integral part of like, you know, the most vital period of live WWE programming. You know, he was, he was there out there in the ring week in and week out. I mean, he was an, an active creative component of it. So I think that, you know, that combined with everything we've seen in NXT, I mean, I would be, I'm confident, um, but what, I mean, but being able to take over the whole operation is, I mean, I think frankly, it's too big of a job for just about anybody, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, he he certainly is going to get a chance to show his, to test his metal right now and to show us everything that he's got. Um, 
Speaking of people showing everything that they've got, we've got to we've got to do this thing. We've got to talk about Clash Clash of Champions. Um, let me run through these matches. Get your picks on this stuff, okay? We'll, we'll go through, and uh, I'm just going to use this. Uh, I'm going to sort of pick through this uh, the order that that appears in Wikipedia, but I, this is a weird order, so we'll see. At the bottom of the card, <clears throat> which is definitely not the bottom match, maybe one of the matches I'm most excited about. AJ Styles versus Cedric Alexander for the U.S. Championship. Love it. Love it. Uh, this is WWE's chance to to rub Alexander like we never would have guessed they would, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if he can go over AJ clean in a short, because look, they're not going to give him 25 minutes, but if they can give him 17, 18, let this be uh, a showcase of athleticism and in-ring chemistry and let AJ in his early 40s kind of make Cedric Alexander look like a younger version of, of of prime AJ in this. This is perfect, and everybody wins because AJ can then get catapult, catapulted back to the world championship level just in time ahead of this, again, giant close-up we're going to have coming up on the main roster, and Cedric can sort of become this organic guy that we love who's finally getting treated with legitimate respect. He's not just a 205 flipper. I think... The way he pinned AJ on Raw this week in the, when they had that multi-man match and just the overflowing elements of babyface, yeah, yeah, that he was spilling out. He does the little things so well. This is their chance to make him. They kind of mm-hmm. stop-started with Ricochet over the past month and they've done a pretty damn good job overall as making this guy legitimate. Now they can do the same with Cedric and I really hope that's what we get. I got to tell you, there's not, I mean, one of the most eye-opening moments of the past week, I mean, definitely over the past week, over the past couple of months was that Stone Cold Steve Austin celebration to close out the show when, uh, when Braun and Seth were joined by the Viking Raiders um, and Cedric Alexander. And it just sort of painted the picture of, um, you know, what the, uh, what, what the kind of, it's not that it's not the main event scene, but sort of like your, your, fully ensconced babyface uh, contingent looks like right now. And it was, it was pretty impressive. I, I, if, if Cedric's going to, if Cedric wins, I mean, I think this match could go either way, but I think, I think Cedric winning could do a lot to insinuate him as a fixture in WWE. And he's been a longtime favorite of mine. I would be so, so excited to see that happen. Um, it's so excited to see more, like prime potential African-American stars who have done nothing but show they deserve it. Get that, that rub and that push. Like love that. Yeah. I could not, I would not be happier. I mean, can I imagine myself happier than if he won? So even though I think, I don't know, I'm, 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 this is a toss up for me, but I'm going to go with Cedric on this one just because it would make my heart happy. You're, you're, you're picking Cedric, I assume. Yeah. I only pick on heart happiness. That's that make all my pick. <laughs> Uh, got, got a tag team, a women's tag team championship match. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Um, do you have a pick here? Um, yeah, I think you got to keep the belts on with uh, with how good Bliss is doing. She's if you're not going to push her as a single star, this is the perfect spot. We know Vince loves her. We know she's great in sort of the in between segments, the the talking segment. She's basically becoming female The Miz. And that's a full-on compliment. Yeah. So I think this is a smart way to have some celebrity atop this division. And I think the more they give camera time to Nikki Cross, even though off the start, I thought it was abhorrent the way they presented her in comparison to how gnarly and raw and gross she was in NXT. And I say gross as a compliment. It was perfection. She would come in and bite the ropes. You got the belief that this is somebody who would chew on your flesh. 
And then they made her this weird Irish baby face. But you know what? I'm done complaining about that. She's great. This Alexis friendship storyline, which they've beaten down a few different times where she sort of fake brings somebody in and uses them. It's great. I love it. I love mm-hmm. where this is going. Fire and desire, absolution, not ready for prime time yet, but they will be one day, Dave. And let's forget that promo from Mandy this week ever happened. I'm with you on this one. I'm with you on this one. I think I think that everything you said, I, I totally agree with. I think that it wouldn't shock me if they went with the with the with the Rose and Deville uh, fire and desire, <laughs> as much as I detest that team. I mean that team name, um, not the team itself. It wouldn't surprise me if they did it just to keep this feud going. But I think you're right. You got to leave. The, you got to stick with Alexa and Nikki. Next up is Roman Reigns versus Eric Rowan in a no DQ match. Um, not exactly where I saw this storyline headed. I, I would say I guess it it might lend itself a little bit more than you said. I mean to what you were saying to really put Eric Rowan over in an interesting way and maybe lead to something else. Um, but, you know, this feels like, call me crazy, this feels like one of those matches that Roman Reigns is somehow going to, like, prove his prove himself in. It's, it, this is going to be a surprisingly good match, and we're all going to have our best, our favorite wrestler, Roman Reigns, to thank when it's all over. Wow, that's very optimistic. My, I was extremely optimistic in, in linking this to a larger, perfect storyline of a Wyatt family reunion. I know people could listen to that and be like, oh, come on, dude. Like, And that's what I do every pay-per-view preview, by the way, Dave. Concoct all these great storylines of this guy sleeping on this guy's uh, girlfriend and it starts this feud. I need a territory to the book is where we're going with this. What's <laughs> going to happen at the end? Roman Reigns is going to win this match despite what both of our hearts are telling us. And he's going to do it in... WrestleMania against Drew McIntyre fashion, where it's just going to be a simple Super Cena comeback from everything, and then it will be over. The problem is they won me back this Tuesday. They got me to buy in. Mm-hmm. I never thought I wanted Eric Rowan to ever speak on a microphone and have an opinion. I don't know if you ever stood next to this guy backstage at WWE. He's a monster. He's one of those guys, Shaquille O'Neal's in that category, where when you finally meet them and you're in their space in person, you go, wow, that does not look like that on TV. Like, he looks big on TV, looks like a monster in person. He is a friggin' monster. And yet he's had this interesting promo that I cared about mm-hmm. in a next-level brawl that suddenly I'm like, hmm, they could trick me into concocting some larger storyline here yeah. and tell me if I'm wrong, Dave. When Rowan was backstage flipping out all weird-like, I felt a Wyatt feel on that. Maybe so, maybe so. I mean, my guess, my guess before you pitched your magnum opus was that Daniel Bryan was going to be the surprise, and and I, but I couldn't decide which side he was going to come down on. Now I like the sort of prevailing conventional wisdom that that if he ends up, if Daniel Bryan ends up on you know on Fox on SmackDown, that that there, there might be some forces at Fox that are that are pushing for him to be a babyface, and that and this is you know this whole thing has been a setup for that. Um. But I could just as easily see him make an appearance in this match to put it, to help Eric Rowan and 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 you know the, the whole thing was a ruse and we're just here to beat up Roman Reigns. I mean that that could work too. I think you're right that you. I mean it would be ridiculous to place a bet on anybody except for Roman Reigns in a match like this. But whew, Eric Rowan's tempting, especially after this week. You said it exactly right. Um, I'm going to go with Roman, but man, I am not. I am not 100 percent on this at all. I think there's a lot. There are a lot of of possibilities. Um, but whenever it seems like there's a lot of possibilities, that's often when Roman Reigns pulls the Superman act out of the closet. So you're exactly. right. I'm not over WrestleMania, by the way. WrestleMania was the time to put Drew McIntyre over massive as a title contender, and they went back to the well. Can't believe it. Still can't believe it, Dave. 
Um, before we go any further, I do want to mention one match that we're not going to see on Sunday, and that's the finals of the King of the Ring tournament. Um, that was supposed to be on this card, right? It, it seemed like it was. It was never I swear sort they of made did, Didn't they announce it? I thought they officially announced it at some point. Maybe Probably. We, I mean, you know they rip up the script uh, an hour before every show, so nothing's ever in the books. Yeah, I guess when the, this this thing got really, I mean, the, the card got big, the card got full, and you could see why they would push it. But um, are we? I mean, do you have a pick in the King of the Ring tournament? Just just uh, just because we're we're you know it was supposed to be, or we thought it was going to be on this card, and it's going to instead be on Raw the following night. I guess. Do you think is this? Are we looking at King Baron Corbin? I hope not. I really hope not, Dave. Do I have a pick? Yeah, it's got to be Chad Gable. They've really committed to playing him up in a Goliath, David Goliath type situation. Everyone's talking about how short he is. They even did a interesting swerve with Shane McMahon back in it, which certainly tested your troll button as a fan yeah. of like, oh, man, am I going to eject on this before they even try to get me? And it worked out great in the end. So they've put a lot of stock into him being an overcomer. And I think he's the perfect representation of why you do King of the Ring tournaments to give someone a rub and try them out without having to give them a major championship. And even though some people don't like the cheesy aspect of the gimmick and wearing the crown and the robe, I still do. And I think that's a guy who can elevate that. And I think Corbin's already served his purpose. He's already had his giant close-up as an agitator and a troll when he was raw fake GM and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not that he doesn't have a place now. And it's not that he's not actually getting better constantly, but Dave, this is such a, let me stick my thumb back in the wound moment for me. It's, yeah. it's troll looking for the safe of it. So for the sake of it, King Baron would, would really angry and upset me. And you could say, then they win. That's what they're trying to do. But it's, it's, it's X-Pac heat, bro. Uh, I think that Baron Corbin is winning me over week by week. His uh, tank top has gone a long way for me. Um, but I mean, and I, and it's hard to, it's hard not to appreciate the level of heat that he gets regardless of how you classify it. I think X-Pac heat is not exactly right. And regardless is not totally the worst thing in this day and age, you know, to have somebody that actually gets booed. I'm also a little bit concerned that King Gable sounds too much like King Mabel. And, uh, and I'm not, I'm, uh, that might be awkward for everybody, but, um, yeah, I, I I'm going to go with Corbin, but I, I think that you're, I think that. You 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 almost talked me into King Gable. Um, if Jason Jordan never wrestles again, is there still time to uh, mix the paternity results and have Maury Povich come out on Raw and tell Kurt Angle you are the father of Chad Gable? Because that would have worked just the same, and that was a storyline that I was really into. This might be perfect. Yeah, listen, I'm all about it, and it makes a lot more sense in a lot of ways. Uh, Kurt Angle, by the way, is I think just just signed a deal to be a, a full time producer for WWE, which I think is a positive for. All parties involved. Um, next up on the card, uh, let's say, let's go with um, the New Day versus the Revival for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Yeah, this is one of those where I just say, look, you haven't done anything with the storyline to get me to really care. I can't really see a, a, a place for the titles to change hands here. What I can see is the opportunity for a sneaky good match. And uh, I said it on my own podcast this week, Dave. The Revival have been really good on the main roster when they've received the booking because they have that 80s heel vibe going at all times. They're great in interviews, but they've never been given the room to have the type of matches that they built their name on in NXT. I mean, we don't see the level of quality that we saw in their feuds with DIY and American Alpha. This might be one of those times where you just open the card with this match, you give them a few extra minutes on there, and you let this thing just roll. I mean, this at any point, 
the combination of these four wrestlers can give you a four four and a half star match. I'd like to see it wrestled on that NXT style on this main roster because you don't really have the storyline build to back this up. I could not agree more. Um, everything you said could also lend itself to this being like a four minute match that ends with Randy Orton RKOing everybody in the New Day. But uh, <laughs> but as but but in theory and you know in principle, I hope they do exactly what you said. I mean, they, this is a great match to get the crowd going to kind of to hype every to get everybody hyped up for for everything that's going to follow. I think that. Um, a tag. I, I, I'm going to go with the revival here, just because it, it seems like an opportunity to 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 do to have a to to make make it feel like anything could happen on a night like Sunday night. R- do it early, have a belt swap. I mean, have the belt change hands, and uh, and and just you know get the crowd get, you know get the crowd out of their chairs. Um, next up, next belt on the line, the Intercontinental Championship, Shinsuke Nakamura uh, with Sami Zayn versus the Miz. Um. I find it hard to imagine for the, a lot of, like you said in the last match that this would be an opportunity to switch. Um, I just feel like they have so much potential there with Nakamura and Zayn, but you know, never discount the Miz winning the IC title. I mean, I think that's that <laughs> that 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 could always be a possibility. Yeah, the wild card for me in this is more of a dirt sheet pick. It's that they did play up that if he wins his ninth title reign would tie a WWE record. They didn't mention the name, Dave. It's Chris Jericho, who's not so friendly these days inside (laughs) Titan Powers. I can see them just doing this out of spite like they did with CM Punk. Let's get that guy out of the record book. Let's keep the title on AJ for a year and a half for maybe no reason. It kind of feels like the same thing right here. Listen, uh, you've completely won me over. I'm going with the Miz here. Uh, Dirt sheets went out. Um, Next up, (laughs) we we have... Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks singles match for the uh, Raw Women's Championship. Uh, So here's the deal, Dave. I failed on this ahead of this card in realizing the potential of this match here. It's not that Sasha Banks' return hasn't been everything I ever wanted. It's not that she's kicking me right in the field hole every week. She is. It's insanely great. I just got maybe a little too worked up on my whole larger uh, Bray Wyatt uh, 2.0 Wyatt family storyline that on my podcast this week, my co-host Adam Silverstein was like, uh, no, dude, this is the match that will and should main event this card. And then, Dave, I opened my heart again and realized where we are. We love us some four horsewomen. And one of my favorite feuds, in fact, arguably the feud that really hooked me as an early NXT fan and hooked me as a, oh my gosh, this women's wrestling thing actually can be as great as the men at the highest level. Do you remember a little show called NXT TakeOver Unstoppable in May 2015, Dave? Yep, I do. That's one of my favorite angles ever where badass heel boss Sasha was champion and Becky was someone that she took under her wing from Irish jig stepper to no, Mm -hmm. I'm going to teach you how to be bad like me. And they had their own little mega powers explode. And that video package that took us into that match was insanely good. And even though they were only given about 15 minutes, I love that match. And those two have never really had a moment again on the main roster or on NXT, despite Sasha and Bailey, you know, really pushing the, the the fences forward in terms of women's wrestling with their work in NXT. And then obviously what Sasha and Charlotte did in 2016 on the main roster, this whole conversation woke me up to this could really close the show. And this could be a classic because they have the in-ring chemistry and we've already seen their, their, their microphone chemistry and their swagger chemistry really, you know, start things up the last few weeks that, 
I, I needed that slap in the face. This could be everything we ever wanted because yes, Becky does a poor man's stone cold thing right now. And yes, Sasha's kind of doing a poor man's rock thing. Mm-hmm. Give me that. I want it injected inside of many parts of my body, Dave. I totally agree. And I think that this is going to be a really interesting, it's an interesting matchup. They have, we've seen them do it in the past. Um, but I think that both of their best work has come against Charlotte, right? I mean, or, or, or you mean you could, I guess, throw Rousey in there. I mean, to round out the things for Becky, but, but the, but I think that both that, that their best work to me, at least has had Charlotte Flair involved. And I think that it'll be interesting to see if they can, if they can really just put, the, I, I don't think it's going to be the main event. You're right. In a lot of ways, it deserves to be the main event. Um, but they are going to have to put out a main, a main event quality match here, regardless of where it slots on the card. And, um, I am, I fully believe that they can do it. And, they, and they, they, this will be the match that we remember from tonight, from Sunday night. I mean, I, I really think that they can pull it off, but, um, I don't, I don't think that this is, I don't think you can, I don't think you can already pencil this in as like a match of the year candidate. I think that they're, that, you know, they're going to have to. No interference, no schmozzing whatsoever. Let two badass workers remind you of why we're in this quote unquote women's evolution thing here, Dave. All right. And by the way, there's only one way to book this match. Sasha must win. Becky's better when she's climbing and chasing. You know this. I'm not talking about what goes on behind the scenes so, with her and Seth. I'm just talking about her as a baby face. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, the, I mean, the, the, there's two very just boring, but very pedantic reasons why I don't think this is going to main event. One, it's because Seth and Braun is going to be the story of the show one way or the other, right? I mean, it's they have, they have, they're going to go twice. And then, and we're about to get to that. And then the other thing is that this match is sort of handcuffed to Bailey versus Charlotte for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And that's the next match we're going to talk about here. I think that there's a lot of ways these two matches could sort of interplay with one another, but it's really easy to to, to fantasy book Bailey and 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 Sasha standing tall with the two titles at the end of the show, is it not? Yes, yes. Um, I, I ultimately see Bailey and Sasha doing that, and does in it's going to be a great statement. And Bailey, as and even though they've wishy washied Bailey the last few weeks, her as a pure heel right now is so damn perfect and adds so yeah. much spice into the larger four horsewomen thing while also just helping Sasha be even stronger. And Dave, do you see long term us actually finally getting a payoff to their on and off again friendship feud? Imagine them both as <laughs> champions right now, then getting kind of jealous of each other. There's pictures floating around there the last tw- of 24 hours on Twitter of uh, based on Sasha's Instagram live feed of Bailey wearing a Sasha like ring, a uh, ring outfit. Uh, this could be an incredible power duo. What we really just need though, is some male to play the Miss Elizabeth role. Is Pete Rosenberg still a, 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 a qualified <laughs> WWE talent? Uh, I'm, I'm sure it, it would be worth reaching out to him. That's for sure. Um, my only question Imagine about him a meat in that Boston hug sandwich there. Did I gross you out? Yeah, no, that's, that's totally fine. I'm near, I'm not grossed out at all. I, I, uh, I, I just had lunch and wish I hadn't, but that's totally fine. Um, my only, my only question for all of this, uh, when it comes to, I mean, and, and I don't, and I, and I think if I had my, my money would be on Becky and I mean on Bailey and Sasha, both winning the titles. My, the the thing that gives me pause is that this is the last pay per view before uh, SmackDown on Fox begins, and who knows how much? I mean, if they've finalized the rosters, uh, I mean, they they must be getting close to it one way or the other. Um, 
it's hard to imagine that this Bailey and Sasha angle is going to end as abruptly as this as as the next as, as SmackDown and Fox starting, which would make you think that they would have them both end up on the same show, uh, which would make it hard for them both to have the belts going into the the new split because everything we've heard is that the roster split is going to be a lot more firm in the Fox era than it has been. Now, obviously, roster splits. Uh, are never firm and we should never get, you know, rest too much or count too much on that. But just from a logistical standpoint, I could imagine a world in which Charlotte wins is the face of SmackDown, the SmackDown women's division going forward and Bailey and Sasha both end up on Raw feuding with Becky Lynch. Like that, that's a, that's a future that I could imagine. Um, it's interesting because it's in Charlotte, the, the card this weekend, mm-hmm. and we know that and going out of their way to add up more title reigns for Charlotte Flair lately. And I've always had that early theory of saying she's the one that's going to break the 16-16 tie between Cena and Rick, not either of them in terms of the most recognized world title reign. So that would fuel that idea. But I think when you're talking about which match will main event and how the show will end, I I look at it like this. If Vince McMahon is booking, Seth Rollins stands tall with with the red belt held high. If Paul Heyman's booking, it's interruption and Bray Wyatt ending the show uh, with wild, you know, music going on and flashing lights in the background. But if Paul Levesque's got to say, it's Sasha and it's Bailey holding up two different titles. Yeah, I can see that. I'm going to go. Who's booking? You know, if, if, what if, about if, that? Do we, get, do we get Paige back in the mix? No. Uh, yeah. Well, probably. But um, yeah, keep your eye on Paige. Anything could be happening with her. But but the uh, but no, I think that if I were booking. I mean, it's tough. First of all, I don't think Vince McMahon would be averse to having the Fiend ending the closing out the show with interfering in the match. He had Bray Wyatt do that about fifteen times already in his career. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that I think that Bailey, I think that Bailey and Sasha standing tall to end the show um, would be. I mean, could could be a pretty big moment. I would just, man, I'm 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 on the fence about it, and I've sort of talked myself into Charlotte winning now too. So I, it's it's hard it's hard to it's hard to fully embrace it. Um, we got a couple more matches we got to run through here. Wait, what are your official picks for the for the two women's matches? Are you are you going with Sasha and Bailey? I am. I'm going Boston Hulk all day. Please. I'm going I'm going Sasha with Bailey's assistance, and uh, and but somehow Charlotte winning in the other match. Um, all right, what else do we have? Uh, Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. I mean, they've done a really good job of of keeping me interested in this. Although I got to say, but when I think when I when I thought about this card, this was about the tenth match that came to my mind. And uh, and you know, same thing when I'm remembering SmackDown. Nice spot on Tuesday with Kofi jumping off the off, the, uh, off of the 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 second tier to leg drop Randy Orton through a table. Um, I don't know. I mean, they, they this is this has been a pretty traditional build in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I, this is another one where I just find it hard to hard to see Kofi Kingston losing. But um, you know, it's, who knows? Who knows? I mean, it feel if I guess if we're gonna go with the meta outside the ring stuff, Kofi going into I mean, Kofi carrying the belt onto Fox feels like a good bet. But but you know, I guess anything could happen. It does feel like a good bet. There is sort of that feeling of how hard he was able to be standing tall on the go home show, which uh, that was a great moment. The the call back to MSG, but it when that when it's that sort of like one sided. Usually the other guy wins in the pay per view match most of the time. But here's the weird thing, Dave. I'm so lost on this. Like I've picked against Kofi 
every pay-per-view since he won the championship thinking <laughs> it would be a short reign and it was just one big moment. And he's won me over and, and proved me wrong every single time. And yet this one, once again, I'm like, you know what? Look really good with Randy Orton with his uh, 14th title reign right now. So what do I know? I don't know. I guess you got to maybe stay meta and pick Kofi. I mean, I guess I did I did make the case, I mean, hypothetically, not, not that I thought that they would do it or that they necessarily should, but I did make the hypothetical case last week that if you were, that I could understand if all the Fox execs decided they wanted to draft a roster of people who would look good standing next to J.J. Watt, you know, or standing next to football players. And Randy Orton certainly fits that bill. You know, I mean, of all the guys on the roster, Randy Orton isn't labeled a giant, but... I mean, he's one of the most imposing dudes you'll ever see in real life, too. I mean, I saw, the first time I saw him in real life, he was like walking to the bathroom in a restaurant, and it looked like a like a bear walking down the hallway. He is just a very big dude. So anyway, I can see that argument, too. I'm going to go with Kofi, but Randy Orton would not surprise me. Randy Orton is in some ways sort of like, if you think, if you, if you see SmackDown on Fox as like sort of a new promotion... That's sort. Of, this is sort of the Chris Jericho move, right? I mean, you put the belt on a on a name wrestler, um, who you sort of at that point establish as the heel to beat, and and you and you can kind of reboot the babyface side. I mean, you you can. I could understand the logic there for sure. Uh, that yeah, said, you, I'm going with you Kofi. Never discount how many people still love Randy Orton. I still remember being in the Alamo Dome at the 2017 Rumble and when he won it, and at that time, it was sort of a wah-wah in my wrestling heart, yet the crowd was going insane. And you see that every once in a while on Raw and SmackDown. He'll do something that seems basic, and the crowd is jumping out of their orifice. People love this guy. Yeah. Well, uh, he is the greatest wrestler of all time, so that helps. Um, I'm sure I've missed some match along the way, but let's just get into the Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman portion of the predictions. Um, Seth Rollins is going, and, and Braun Strowman are going to team up to take on Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler, who uh, immediately went from, uh, in the, over the course of a week and a half, went from uh, two guys who hadn't, I believe, ever talked to each other to being like the new Fantastics uh, or something. I mean, they're, they're a fully ensconced, believable heel tag team. Um, I find it hard to believe that they would win, but it certainly does sort of fit with the storyline, right? I mean, that they, that somehow bronze and Seth would, would be at odds and would, and, and will cause one, one will cause the other to take the pin in this match. And then that'll feed into the main event. Uh, am I crazy for picking Rudin Ziggler here? No, I think this is actually the lock of the, of the entire card. If I was somehow placing, you know, bets on this, that they would lose the tag titles. I think, um, I don't love me some Bobby Roode, Robert Roode in 2019. You know, I love the, the theme song and the NXT version of him. Haven't loved him on the main roster, but seems to fit well with Ziggler. I mean, it seems to work. They, they look the part and them talking backstage on raw with the, the club, the OC, whatever, the good brothers, uh-huh. whatever we're calling them days. It sort of led me to believe that you could see some AJ Styles, in, you know, involvement in this match potentially to cost Rollins, which would sort of be the setup and tease should AJ lose the title this weekend, and then him and Rollins have a more of a longer term feud, you know, down the road later this year. Possibly, I don't know, but yes, they're going to lose the belts, and that's going to set up the foundation for what happens in that in that championship out. And in the championship match. Uh, whether or not it's the main event, it's the WWE Universal Championship match, Seth Rollins versus challenger Braun Strowman. Uh, and we've already talked about The Fiend so much, I'm basically, I think I've halfway talked myself out of it. If it's that obvious, is that really the move? Who knows? <laughs> but but Rollins versus Strowman, um, I I don't know what to say here. I, I, I Like everything else, I find it hard to imagine 
Braun Strowman for any number of reasons. I, I find it really hard to imagine Braun Strowman walking out with the belt. But you know, when we're this, when we're talking this much about about interference and in an era where they're really trying to find something to to get us to watch Monday Night Raw, uh, you know, a shock finish seems definitely on the table. Yeah, I think the best thing I can say feels like a lock is that Rollins retains the belt. I just don't see Strowman exiting with one or two championships here. Uh, it's probably more of clean win for Rollins. He's your strongest baby face right now on Raw. We're all in on him, all this stuff, or it's, you know, let's go schmoz, let's get crazy, or maybe Seth wins and then the lights go out. I, like Something's going to happen here, Dave. You really nailed it. I can't see this just being quick and clean business, but I also more than anything cannot see Braun Strowman win the championship. Uh, so maybe that means Braun's going to win. If, if Paul Heyman's <laughs> listening to this podcast, as we know he is. It's uh, the weirdest time. Because when Roman went out with the illness, that was the time to put Braun over finally and give him a chance with the belt. And they panicked and put it back on Brock. And it shows you what they really think of Strowman. Um, yeah. So there's like a 95% chance of a Brock, I mean, uh, yeah, of a, of a Brock Lesnar running in this match too, I guess. If, <laughs> if, if we want to just assume that there's something crazy is going to happen and when, when all else fails, um, I think as I previously wrote, uh, in case of emergency brought glass, um, it's, uh, there's anything could happen. Anything could happen on Sunday night. And that's, what's cool about it, man. It's, it's the clash of champions. All the champions are clashing. Um, and then I think the most important thing to looking forward, and I got to let you go, but but it's like I said, they're looking for anything to make you watch Monday Night Raw. You know, they had Stone Cold Steve Austin on last week. Same thing with SmackDown. They had The Undertaker on. Both of those guys opened the show. I mean, this is like a big, I mean, this is a big deliberate push to to get you to tune in. Soon they're going to have not just NXT and AEW, but, in, you know, AEW 2 on Wednesday nights. There's all this competition coming. They got to make they got to make the ratings look good on SmackDown and Fox, and then they got to have Raw keep up with everything else. Anything could happen, and I think what's most intriguing is like everything. Like this is setting the table for everything that's about to happen. Right? This is the last big pay per view before the SmackDown show on Fox, before AEW pops up. Obviously, NXT is coming on on USA this week. I mean, we're right there. To, we're right there on the doorstep, man. We're on the doorstep. It feels big. It feels like, uh, look, I, I didn't have that same feeling coming into this card, but the more I sort of looked at all the matchups, this card does have sneaky potential to be not just a well-worked card, but to have major reveals that do set that table that you mentioned. And there, I'm nervous, but there's that giddy side of me, and I think all fans should have that right now, that this could be big. Like This could be a change in how we consume and are entertained by wrestling. Or maybe it's not, and it's just more of the same, and it's just more to keep up with to do a podcast like this, Dave. But I'm going to choose the powers of positivity. I'm ready. I'm fired up. I've been building for this for this moment for a long time. I have too. I'm very excited. This is going to be huge. This is going to be a great night. Um, and I just hope we're back here next week talking about how awesome it was uh, and how excited we are for everything that's going to happen. I'm sure we will. I mean, we're wrestling nerds. This is what we do. Um, Brian, thank you so much for coming on. Do you want to do some plugs on your way out the door? Yeah, you know, follow me at B Campbell CBS on Twitter. Check out my podcast each week, The State of Combat. One episode in each of the three combat sports each week. And, uh, you know, check me out on Showtime's Morning Combat Show live every Monday, 12 noon on YouTube, hitting the biggest boxing and MMA news of the week with Luke Thomas. Thanks for the plug there, Dave. All right. Cheap Pete, back again, right? Hey, listen. This is, this is weird. This is like Sammy Hagar and David Lee Roth hanging out and having a beer. Yeah, well, listen, this isn't like, this isn't the NWO. This is this is the click, you know? Once you're in, you're really in for life. And uh, and one day, it'll be you and me 
Uh, you'll yeah, you'll be as bald as me, and we'll be booking NXT when we're like sixty years old, <laughs> and uh, and talking about how how we used to how we used to book things back when we were running cheap eat. You know, and that's that's the way that's the way things always go. Um, thank you, Dave. Listen, man, thank you so much for coming on. We'll we'll talk to you again soon. Have a good clash of champions, and uh, and have a wonderful weekend, man. You too, sir. Thank you. Tony Schiavone here on the Mass Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. 